Welcome to the teaching ministry of Temple Baptist Church. While we hope you can join us in person, our prayer is that this message will encourage you to love God and serve Him in a deeper way. Good morning. Oh my goodness. That is so, un- I've never experienced that before, where you respond so quickly. It really is good to see you. Thank you so much for coming. You know, I just want to reiterate what James was saying about this bulletin. I, uh, I got caught. Somebody said to me, oh, um, are you going to be coming to a certain event? And I went, I've never heard of it. He goes, uh, it's in the bulletin, Donald. In fact, Donald's been in there for the last two weeks. And so now I, have, I check the bulletin every week to make sure that I'm not missing anything as well. Also, I, I have to say this. I was told, and I'm going to speak to this side specifically, I was told that um, I ignore this side of the room. Someone said I show favorites to that side. And then last week, I was, really, I was really trying hard to stay on this side. Then I was told I was ignoring that side. So I'm just going to try my best to do what we can here to um, both sides of the term. Listen, last week, we began a brand new series. We're studying this tiny, this tiny little book in the Old Testament. It's under two pages, it's 48 verses long, and yet there's enough drama in the book to to write a blockbuster movie. And if you were not here last week, we are studying the book of Jonah. I've often told elementary kids, listen, you want to impress your parents with your reading ability, after supper, go upstairs and read the book of Jonah, and then come down and say, yeah, I read a book tonight before I went to bed. They will be so impressed. In fact, I read it twice. I read two books this morning. I read Jonah twice. And uh, so that's one way you can up your education for those younger ones and your reading skills. Listen, uh, as we said last week, it doesn't really matter. Really, it doesn't matter if you've been in the church all your life, since you were born, growing up in the nursery, or you've never darkened the doors of a church. Uh, Chances are you've heard the story of Jonah. It is familiar to both young and old. And the book, oh man, the book has been made fun of, it's been poked at, it's been ridiculed, as some scholars would even suggest, it's just just merely a fairy tale, at best a story with a few, you know, uh, teaching points to learn from. Make no mistake, Jonah actually is a real person who lived in a real period of history. In fact, Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 12, when he's referring to Jonah, that he was a man who, who lived and died like the rest of us who are born into this world. Now, if you think the book of Jonah is simply a book about a man named Jonah, or it's just simply a book about a great fish, or a story about this mighty city of Nineveh, boy, we would be sadly mistaken this morning. Because this book that is titled Jonah really is a story about sin and grace. The, the sinfulness of mankind, but boy, the grace of God. I mean, we all know that our sin can reach far, but I love this. God's grace reaches actually farther than wherever our sin could take us. This story really is a story of desperation and deliverance. It's all about who God is and that he is so much greater to clean up the messes than we have ability to make messes. 
It's all about God's relentless pursuit of a fugitive. God's relentless pursuit of a self-righteous man named Jonah. In fact, as we read the book, we are reminded that God always is in pursuit of self-righteous men and women like you and me. When you read through the book, you, you can see the glaring contrast between Jonah and God. I mean, here's Jonah who's running from his enemies, and what does God do? God does the op- opposite. He runs to his enemies. Jonah runs away. Jonah is on this mission of revenge. God is on this mission of rescue and redemption. Jonah is radically exclusive, and God is radically inclusive. Jonah is all about self-protection, and God's all about self-sacrifice. It really would be a big mistake. It would be a big mistake if any of us would say here today, I'm nothing like Jonah. I'm nothing like him. Last week, we looked at some reasons why we have some similarities to Jonah, every single one of us. In fact, when we take time to look in a mirror, you know, we can see deeply, we, you know, if we're, maybe for ladies are putting their makeup on or guys are shaving, like, we can see in detail. Well, when we open up God's Word, and, and especially here, the, the book of Jonah, we, if we treat it like a mirror, we really begin to see not just Jonah, but we actually get to see our own lives as well. Now, please, oh, please, 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 do not sit here this morning and go, you know, I'm really so familiar with the story. There's probably nothing new for me to learn. Because I actually believe every time we open up God's word, it's alive, it's fresh, it's new for us today. And please, please, please don't sit here and go, you know what? Don't think of 10 people that you wish were here today. Oh, I wish so-and-so was here to hear this message. I hope my children up there up front are hearing this. I hope my spouse is listening. I hope that person I don't like on the other side of the auditorium is listening. No, let's not worry about anyone else today. Let's just worry about, are we listening to what God has to say to us this morning? Remember last week I said that the the word of the Lord came to Jonah. says that right in verse 1 of the book. And I believe if you're here this morning and you would say, you know, I've never heard the word of the Lord. Well, you've picked a great day to be here. Because we're going to open up his word. This is the word of the Lord to us. And he speaks to us uh, through his word this morning. Uh, Last week, I used a pretty strong word, actually. Uh, Some people commented on it. I I used the word, a word to describe Jonah. I said, Jonah was a racist. The prophet of God, a racist. How is that even possible? Because Jonah somehow thought he was so much better than the Assyrians. I mean, he would go around basically and say, I am nothing like them at all. In fact, if they were more like me, how much better the world would be. I called him a racist because he thought that the Israelites were so much better than every other nation on the face of the earth. And yet, if you study Israel's history during this period of time, during this season of Jonah being the prophet of God, during this season, it says that they did evil in the sight of the Lord. 
In fact, during this season, uh, when Jonah is a prophet of God, the Israelites actually were sacrificing their own children to pagan gods. They were throwing their own babies into the fire. So don't ask me why Jonah felt like he could say, oh, we are so much better than the Assyrians. I think he really was afraid to admit they're more alike than he wanted to admit. And sometimes I I was thinking about this, I thought, is it possible that all of us have a little racist gene in us? Maybe not toward another race, not another nationality or another country, but is it possible sometimes we just think we're a little bit better than someone else? around us you know um i i think we do this with family members you have a family reunion oh no uncle joe's coming nobody likes uncle joe right you know sometimes we do it with churches it's true boy that church down the street would do what we do that church would be so much better if they did music like us if they preach like us boy that would be a good church down there we do it with friends we do it with uh, our enemies i do it i think you do it for some reason it it seems to be an easily default we just default to that i especially think that we're like jonah when it comes to our response time to when god asks us to do something I mean, we all love when God speaks to us, don't we? Oh, we love when God speaks to us, and we love when God asks us to do something that we love to do. But what about when God speaks to us and he asks us to do something that we really don't want to do? And then we, like Jonah, become a runner. We're born to run, and not run towards God, by the way, but run away from God, from where we've been asked to go. Erwin McManus, who is a pastor of Mosaic Church outside of L.A., I love uh, the statement that he says. He says, you can tell the mark of a person's maturity by the lag time. So in other words, when you sense that God is asking you to do something and you immediately do it, Okay, that says a lot about where you are in your walk with God. But when it takes time, and then it takes a little bit longer and a little bit longer, then we, he says that lag time determines really a lot of your, your spiritual maturity. You know, sometimes I think we respond like, you know, when parents are, are talking to the kids, now you listen up, and they don't, you go, okay, one, okay, two, okay, now three times, I've t- right? You know, there's that lag time. Sometimes for kids uh, to respond to what, uh, when we ask them to do something. Well, this morning, I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Jonah, if you're not already there. The book of Jonah. And I'm going to ask you to stand, actually, this morning, as we read this. So would you stand with me as we read God's word this morning? And would you give careful attention to God's word? Chapter 1, starting at verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Can I just say right there, God loves to speak to his people. God loves to speak to his people. 
He says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to that great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran. He ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. Hard to believe, isn't it? Jonah says no when God says go. He's got a completely different objective. Hard to believe that the follower of God would say no when God asks for us to do something. And during this period, it's like Jonah is running in total defiance, basically, to God. His actions spoke loud and clear. God, thank you so much for your suggestions for what I should do with my life, but on this time, I think I know a little bit better. I'm going to play the game my way. It seems as though Jonah's true colors are beginning to show right here. He's hid them well, but now he's at a point where his colors are beginning to shine. Let's continue to read. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship was threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid. Each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down, and he fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up, get up, call on your God. Maybe he'll take notice of us and will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? And what do you do? And and where do you come from? And what is your country? And from what people are you? He answered, I'm a Hebrew. And I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. Well, this terrified them. And they asked, "Well, well, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord. Because he had already told them. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, well, what should we do uh, to you to make the sea calm down for us? He says, pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied. And it will become calm. I know that it is all my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried to the Lord, O Lord, O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah, they threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. And at this, the men greatly feared the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and they made vows to him. At this point, you would expect you're never going to hear from Jonah again. But it says, but, but the Lord provided. The Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Father, I pray for these next few minutes as we look into your word, help us to see you and who you are. 
Help us, Lord, to grab a, grab a glimpse of this grace that has been extended to us this morning. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I, I find this story so easy to connect with. Like, I, I, it's so easy, I think, to identify with. I mean, fleeing from God, like doing my own thing <laughs> with total disregard to what God has said. I, I, I get that. That's why I say this story really is a story about sin and grace, desperation and deliverance. The story of Jonah makes us very aware of who we are and who God is. And so what in the story we discover that Jonah decides he is going to put some distance between him and God. So what does he do? Of course, he buys a ticket. He buys a ticket to the farthest place that he knows a ship is sailing. He goes down, he looks at all the cruise ships that are lined up there. That one's going to Tarshish. That's the one I'm going to get on. I know God has asked me to go 500 miles in this direction to Nineveh. It's a long trip, right? But no, Jonah says, I am not going in that direction. I'm going to put some distance between me and God. I'm going to get on this ship, and then I'm going to even go farther, about 2,500 miles away. Surely that will put some space between God and I. And you know what? I think Jonah thought he got away with it. I think Jonah thought he was in the clear. God said go, but I said no. I'm doing my own thing. Jonah was desperately in need of an intervention. And honestly, that storm is the intervention that God sent. Because this is no ordinary storm. This storm has been designed with purpose. This is no summer breeze. <laughs> this is a great wind that has caused a great tempest, and now there's this great storm. And now the, the boat is rocking back and forth and back and forth. And if you did not have your sea legs, <laughs> you were throwing up because of seasickness. The storm is so large, it's so powerful, it says, that it's, it's on the verge of the, the ship losing all of its integrity, that it's going gonna, it's gonna to break up. In fact, the sailors actually thought that they were going to die. Not only lose the ship, but their own lives. Forget about whether we'll ever make it home. Will we ever make it to shore? And these are rugged sailors. These are not just your... You know, these aren't just cadets. They have been on the sea before. They're used to storms. These are seasoned sailors, and they're nervous. Oh, yeah, when you read there, they are nervous. In fact, they are staring death in the eye, trying to decide what to do. The occupants of the ship, the, the uh, passengers that are on the ship, are really just just minutes, maybe a couple hours away from actually losing their lives because the ship is that close uh, to coming apart. Oh, was Jonah ever in need of an intervention in his life? It is a great mystery. I believe this. It is a great mystery as we try to figure out why. Why would God go to great lengths to come after runners like Jonah? Like, why wouldn't God just go, really, Jonah? <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm done with you. 
That seems to be the simple solution, right? I can find another Jonah. But that's not God. He goes to these great lengths to chase after runners like Jonah. And God produces this huge storm. You know why? To slow down Jonah. To slow down Jonah from running from him. God went to great lengths. God, by the way, went to great lengths when he went chasing after us too. That's why he came as the God-man. And if the incarnation of Jesus tells us anything, it tells us that God goes to great lengths to rescue people. That's God. Jesus is God's great wind. Jesus is God's mighty tempest. Jesus is our intervention. Jesus is God's response to human rebellion and human running. And by the way, that's good news. That is great news because all of us are born runners. Born to run from God. All of us, by the way, all of us are in need of an intervention. The Bible tells us actually we're all born enemies of God. How can we therefore not humble ourselves to even begin to think what God has done for us? You know, Jonah thought, hmm, amazing, Jonah thought he could hide from God by getting on board of a ship and heading to some remote area. For some reason he thought, well, I'll finally get out of the presence of the Lord. Sometimes, you know, we go running. Sometimes we go running to get out from the presence of the Lord, thinking that we can hide from God. You know, the Bible actually says, first of all, nobody will be able to hide from God, but the Bible actually says that there's coming a day that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is who he says he will be. And our God is very gracious. He allows us to bow our knee now or it will happen later. Either way, all of creation will bow and recognize who Jesus is. The storm uh, certainly was Jonah's wake-up call. It was a, a wake-up call from his, we'll call it spiritual slumber. And Jesus is our wake-up call for our spiritual slumber. Jesus actually was sent to wake us up. I wonder, I wonder how many of us perhaps are just sleeping, just drifting. Think, hey, I got it all under control. I got my freedom, and I got a little bit of distance between me and God. What is interesting, as Jonah is running, as he's trying to make this 2,500-mile trip, he thinks there is distance between them. The thing is, though, God hasn't gone anywhere. He's just as close. The farther Jonah moves, God's just going with him. There's not this great distance. No, Jonah, God is chasing after Jonah. We run, and then through Jesus, God runs after us. That's the good news of the gospel. That God came down because we could never go up to him. The gospel tells us that 
we have been saved simply because of the kindness of God and nothing else. And when that truth finally grips our heart and we finally get it, it really does allow us to show tenderness and compassion and forgiveness for others. I, I have this little phrase on my desk and it says, when I rightfully discern what is inside of me and what God has done for me, how much easier it should be to forgive someone else when I rightfully discern what's in me. The story of Jonah reveals to us the mercy of God. This story reveals to us that no matter how great our messes are, God's response is always with a greater dose of mercy and grace. By the way, the storm is not God's punishment to Jonah. Sometimes I've heard people say, this is God getting even with Jonah. This is God putting his thumb down on Jonah. He's peeved at Jonah. No. I don't believe that at all. This is an intervention by God for Jonah. This is God rescuing Jonah from Jonah. And who needs an intervention the most? Those who are in the greatest need and don't even know about it. Some of you have experiences. Some of you have family members who have addictions. And you know what that's like. Uh, they, many times they don't even know how great the danger that they're in because they use phrases like, you know, they just kind of play it down. You know, it's not that serious. Or, you know, I can stop anytime I want. Um, I have this all under control. I don't need anyone's help. It's not as bad as you think. These are people who are in great need. And yet as family members, we find ourselves still, right, going towards them because we love them and we don't want them to destroy their lives. This is God. Not letting us just go off on our own, but chasing it after us. And Jonah is in great danger, and he doesn't even know it. Jonah is not happy. He is not happy with the call of God not in his life. I mean, typically, I think he would have said, Lord, of course, if this is what you want me to do, I'll go do it. But on this particular situation, he says, no. No, I'll have nothing to do with it. And if we said last week, it's because the Assyrians, right, are, are really the arch enemies of Israel. I mean, they have been under the rule. I mean, the, the uh, cruelty many times of the Assyrians. Jonah has nothing that he wants to extend to them. See, Jonah has walked with God long enough that he knows that if the Assyrians would, would turn from their ways, that God actually would show mercy. And Jonah does not want them to have any part of the mercy of God. And Jonah then goes on the run, trying to control his own little world. And then, of course, God sends this storm, which reminds us we can never control our own little world. Jonah is in great danger, and the storm... I, listen to this. Jonah was in great danger, and the storm was brought by God's affection for Jonah. Think about that. This storm is how God shows affection to Jonah, not anger. He loves Jonah. He's not going to let Jonah just run and do his own thing. Because Jonah is in, really in danger of enslaving himself. And so God sends the storm because of a deep affection for Jonah. And so sometimes when there are storms in our life, when sometimes storms come in our life and they disrupt our lives... 
I'm reminded that many times a storm comes to my life because God's going to rescue Donald from Donald. Good news of the gospel is that God is the great rescuer. He's the great rescuer. He frees people. He rescues people from their sins. Our sin reaches far. Oh, but God's grace reaches farther. Jesus came for you and for me. And for Jonah's sake, God would not let Jonah keep on running. For Jonah's sake, he wasn't going to let Jonah win this one. Charles Spurgeon, a famous preacher of an era gone by from England, once said, God never allows his child to sin successfully. Let me tell you, that's good news for us. That is good news for us. In fact, that's the great news of the gospel. And the storm is for our good. The storm was the good news for Jonah. And Jesus is the good news for us. You know, um, I find it interesting that when everything is just seems to be falling apart and, and they're, they're just throwing these questions at Jonah, like, where are you from? What do you do? What country? What's your people? And, you know, uh, that he, like, he's on the run from God. And then in this conversation, I find it, I don't know, I find it interesting, he just kind of brings God up. Like, oh, yeah, no, I serve God. <laughs> like, Jonah, really? Because he says, I worship the Lord, God of heaven and earth. And I'm going, really? Because it seems like you are not in a very good place. And it just seems like he kind of throws out, you know, some of these, these words. And I don't want to get on a tangent. I feel like I'm going to get on a tangent right here, but... <laughs> I was reading this and I was just thinking don't want to sound legalistic but sometimes I read this and I go you know sometimes there's generations of people in the church that their lives just don't add up at all at all at all you know what Christ has called us to do Um, but somehow we kind of throw up the Jesus name and I, I thank God for the grace because I know we all make mistakes and we all sin and thank the Lord for the grace of God. But sometimes I just think, you know, I think sometimes the, the church is in danger because of a, of a cultural Christianity. You know, as long as, um, as long as I got good health and a great job, I don't mind going to church every now and then. You know, as long as I get the promotion at work, I don't mind throwing up a prayer for Thanksgiving and Christmas meal. Yeah, no big deal. Oh, yeah, I, I worship God, yeah. I mean, yeah, I go home, I scream at my kids and degrade my wife, but yeah, I worship God. Hmm. Oh, I worship God. Yeah, of course, I take his name and bang when I'm playing pickup hockey, but everyone does, right? And I, and I, and I just try to figure out that sometimes it just seems like those who have Christ and those who don't have Christ, this is where I'm wrestling with, um, is, is there any difference in our lives? And so here Jonah is on the run from God and living in, actually, he's, in a, he's at this point, like he's just in defiance of what God's asked him to do. And then he just brings up these words, hey, I'm a 
worshiper of the Lord. Uh, thank God, you know, that there's grace that is extended here, and we all know we need that. You know, as pastors as, of this church and as spiritual leaders, elders, deacons, those who are in teaching positions, I, I do believe there's going to be a, a sort of a responsibility of really what goes on even here as a church. And sometimes, you know, in my own mind, I'm going, okay, is this, is this where God wants us to go? Is, is this what, does this lift the name of Christ up? Is this what he's called us to do as the temple family? Well, sorry, let's get back on the story. So here the, the, the soldiers are freaking out, okay? I mean, they are freaking out because they know they are going to lose their life. They've never seen a storm like this. They've never experienced like this. Yeah, they've had, hit rough waters, but nothing like this. They are so close to losing their own lives. And then they start asking Jonah, and, and then Jonah says, I'm glad, he, he, he owns up to it. You know, you know, actually, this, this whole thing is my fault. This whole thing is my fault. It's my secret little sin. It's my secret. And as long as I keep my secret little sins to myself, it only affects me. It won't affect anyone around me. And I look at this and I go, I'm reminded that even our secret sins, you know, may have not affected anyone now, but if we continue, I believe they will one day. So here's Jonah thinking that he can just do his own thing in total rebellion to God, and it's not going to affect anyone around him. And because of his decision, basically we got a whole ship full of people who are on the verge of losing their own lives because of a decision Jonah's made. And finally he says, well, it is my fault. I own up to it. And then, of course, the Bible says they threw him overboard. And the sea came to a calm. And you expect that's the last we'll ever hear of Jonah. When you throw a man overboard in the middle of a storm, it's going to be the last time we ever hear about this guy. That's why I love that next verse when it says, but the Lord provided. But the Lord provided a way for Jonah. You know, Jonah's sin and our sin leaves us in great need. We need grace. And we need the kind of grace that can only be offered from a loving God. We are people in desperation who need a deliverance. And I'm happy to say that God provided a great deliverer. A great deliverer. And his name is Jesus. And his grace is infinitely greater than any mess that you find in your own life. I mean, that's the grace of God. You know, um, I meet people, I meet people all the time who will meet me in church and will say, oh, this happens regularly. You know, if you only knew, if you only knew, Donald, what I was really like, you wouldn't want me here. I'm going, what? 
No, let me remind you, no matter how great the mess is in our life, God's grace always goes beyond. It always reaches beyond any mess that you can make in your life. That's, that's, the, that's the grace of God. It's the relentless grace of God. It never gives up. It never gives up. And, you know, sometimes when, for those who are followers of Jesus, we, we're so thankful for the grace of God. And sometimes we think it's a one-time event. Oh, I get the grace of God. It happened the moment I accepted Christ as my Savior. But no, no, we experience the grace of God day after day after. We need that grace of God day after day after day after day. That relentless grace of God. Now, this morning, I would be very naive to think in a crowd this size that there would be some people that there wouldn't be some people here that do not know Jesus right you know maybe you're here and you just I don't know you're just checking it out that's great hey we're glad that you're here Uh, maybe some of you you know you sense there's you and God aren't right maybe you would say "Hmm, I think I've been a runner I have been a runner. I just want to let you know that God gives grace to runners. That God gives grace to the runner. And he extends it to you today. I just want you to know that for those who don't know Christ, today could be a defining moment in your life where you stop your running and you go, wow, look what look what's God's done for me. By sending a rescuer. I thought I could do it on my own. I thought I could. I thought I could be good enough. I thought I could make my own way. I thought I could do things that would please God, that, that would show favor. That's when we become slaves. We're so enslaved, trying to prove, prove who we are, when actually God sent his son and said this, you you can't do it on your own. So I'm going to send someone who can actually do it for you. He's a rescuer. He's a deliverer. And his name is Jesus. And the Bible says if you would call upon his name, the Bible says you will be saved. Just by simply calling on the name of Jesus. Believing that he died on the cross for you. He rose again for you. just by simply calling upon his name. Do you know that um, the hymn, sing it with me. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all my sin. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. Grace that is greater than not most of our sin, but all of our sin. And he extends it to you this morning. Let's pray. Lord, I'm thankful for our time this morning. 
Lord, thank you so much for the grace of God. Where would we be today if it wasn't for his grace? Lord, maybe for those here this morning who just don't know, have never experienced the grace of God, may they know that today could be the day that truly they could know what it is to have grace that is greater than their mess this morning. So Lord, even in this moment of quietness, would you continue to do a work that only you can do where you just soften men and women's hearts and you begin to draw them to you. 